Well, good morning. My name is Eric Hoffman. I'm one of the executive pastors at Fellowship and here at uh, Fellowship Franklin. And if you're a guest, uh, we don't always hand out money when you come in, but uh, today's your lucky day. So uh, we're uh, actually today we're kicking off our study in the book of James. And so I just to give just a little bit of history of, of kind of what James is going to be talking about, the book of James. If you've never read James, <laughs> I want to encourage you each and every week that we're in this series to read it. It takes about 20 minutes, uh, five chapters. But James is really has the nickname of a New Testament wisdom book. So if you think of wisdom literature, you'd think of you know, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, those type of things. But James is going to feel very much like a proverb. He's going to have these famous kind of memorable one-liners that he's going to have. And, and he's going to give us these, um, these statements that we can learn to live by. James also quotes Jesus, uh, the most frequent out of any of the letters in the New Testament, particularly the Sermon on the Mount. So if you want to go back and listen to the Sermon on the Mount, you can. But James is going to call believers to wholehearted devotion to God. That's why, that's why we picked this book. James is going to call us to take what we hear and put it into action. So let's just get a, a, a consensus of what James is going to do. And in the 16 weeks, they're going to feel a little uncomfortable. Because there's 108 verses, and out of the 108 verses, there are 60 commands. So this is what James is going to feel like. We're going to read two verses, and then James is going to be like, okay, we've read enough. Go and put that into practice. Like, that's what James is going gonna, is gonna to feel like for us. And, and no one is going to uh, leave the book of James without, at some point, James, like, he's going to feel like the book is just pointing right at you. And so we're going to walk through this in our call to action. James is going to call us to an active faith. So we will uh, be walking through this. Now, when you came in, we've already heard him bouncing on the floor. <laughs> when you came in, I want you to pull out this coin. We want to look at it together. This coin, we're going to be in the book of James through May. And so we want you to have this with you the whole time that we are walking through the book of James, okay? So... <laughs> Obviously, you guys need to work on your grip, okay? But that's one thing that, would, that James maybe hopefully will talk about. But here's, here's the other thing. Okay, so on this side, I want you to turn this side. It has a Statue of Liberty. On the bottom left corner, everyone say what that says. Okay, James has a famous line. Faith without works is dead. Okay, so this coin is going to represent faith and works. This side is the faith side of the coin. If you remove this part of the coin and try to cash it in, it has no value. It's, it's not authentic. It's not genuine, okay? Flip it over. The other side, this one, is, this, is by, this is by chance too. Like we didn't, we didn't plan this out or ask you specifically, but this one is a tribute to American innovations and it has these gears. What side do you think that this represents? Works. Isn't that cool? Thanks, uh, American government, uh, for printing these. <laughs> But uh, so this dollar, this dollar coin, if you take away one side or the other, James is going to hit this home over and over and over again. If you say you have faith, if you say you have belief, show me, put it into action. Your faith should be active. Your faith should be visible. This is faith and works. And each and every week, we're going to come to the end of our text and do exactly what James is saying. Don't just hear the word. Don't just read the word. Don't just sing these songs. Put it into action. Okay, now here's how we're going to put this into action. Take it and put it in your pocket, okay? Or else we're going to be hearing that all service. 
And if, if it drops, this is what I want you to do. I just want you to turn to the person who dropped it and just turn around, point at them and just go, shame, shame. I'm just kidding. I'm don't do that. Don't do that. If you're a guest, I'm totally joking. Totally joking. But, it, but seriously, if they drop it more than once, you, you have all, no, I'm just kidding. Okay, so faith and works, that's what James is going to call us to. It's a, it's a wisdom book. Uh, this, is, this is so famous for, for that, that, those phrases. Now, I want to remind us, like, why would we pick James? We believe the Spirit led us to the book of James. Not only for, you're going to see this, wholeness, wholehearted devotion is at the core of what James is going to keep coming back to. And I just want to remind you of our mission. Our mission at Fellowship, we exist to glorify God and make disciples by helping people find wholehearted life in Jesus. That's what James is going to call us to. Now, when we talk about the heart, we, we have these two ways that we talk about the heart. We, we talk about the heart consists in the Bible is the core and the center of who you are. It's your thoughts, it's your emotions, it's your desires and your choices. And when we are transformed and we go through the cross and it's the spirit of God, we actually have, that's our thoughts, the renewed mind, our emotions, our healthy relationships, only Jesus can satisfy our soul. And then James is gonna camp on active faith. He's gonna, he's gonna say that over and over again. Show me that your faith is active, your visible faith. And so that's what it's gonna call to. That's why we named this book, Active Faith. It's gonna remind us of what Jesus is calling us to. So again, I wanna just encourage you guys to read the book of James once a week throughout this. There is something when we, when we read the word of God, the spirit of God does a work within us. Melissa and I have been uh, taking the Read Scripture app, a Bible project put out and been reading through that. And there is just something that God is doing in and us and through us in that. So I just wanna encourage you to, before we dive in, let's pray and just ask God, God, would you bless our time? Would you, your spirit, just speak to us and to our hearts and our minds this morning? Father, we open the book of James. And we thank you that you are a God that gives us your words. We don't have to guess. We, don't, uh, we know who you are and what you're like because you've given us your word. So we just wanna thank you for your word. We pray that the book of James would so move us as a church and so shape us as a church that we wouldn't just come in and sing songs and hear the word proclaimed but that our faith would be put into action. Spirit of God, we need you to do what only you can do in us, to empower us to the type of lives that you are calling us to. We cannot live this way in our own strength. And so we submit to you and we ask you to speak so clearly to us through your word this morning in your name. If you haven't already, I wanna encourage you to open your Bibles to James 1. We're only gonna camp in four verses. But I'm telling you, these four verses are so crucial for us to get as a believer. So if you have the Bible on your phone or a physical copy in the seat backs, if you didn't bring one, our Bible would love for you to follow along in these four verses. James does not follow most New Testament letters. Most New Testament letters, if you've ever read um, any of the Corinthians or Ephesians or Galatians or any of those where they're writing to a specific people, how does Paul, usually the writer of that, how does he start off? 
Hey, great to see you, John Eric. Glad you're here today. You know, oh, hey, I'm not going to be able to be here, but hey, I want to be uh, with you guys. You know, send my greetings to da 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 da. You know, he goes through and it's always warm fuzzies and how much he loves them. What does James do? He's just like, all right, let's get into it. All right, my name's James. Peace. Let's go. You know what I mean? Like that's, he's just into it. And he starts with something that is one of the biggest problems um, of our faith, of how we deal with it, but also one of the things that is the greatest attribute of spiritual growth. It's dealing with tiles, uh, trials. Sorry. And so we are going to, let's just jump in. Verse one, James, a bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. So that's his greeting. Most scholars are in agreement that James, this is the, um, this is the brother of Jesus, you can read about uh, James and his life in Acts 12 and 15 and Galatians 1 and 2. And James is the pillar kind of leader of the Jerusalem church. So he is spearheading the Jerusalem church. Now the Jerusalem church, at this time, he, the way, reason why he says kind of dispersed or spread out is because of Acts 8, there was a great persecution that then spread everyone out. Now he is particularly addressing Jewish Christians. Now we know that he's addressing Jewish Christians because in the second chapter, verse one, he's going to talk about their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So these are Jews who have come to place their faith in Jesus as Messiah, their savior. And so he's talking about them being spread out of, due to persecution. So now we understand why James is quickly going to move into not any just uh, of these greetings, but he's going to get right into it because of what they're facing. Now, if you read in, in Galatians and in Acts, you'll see that there was actually a famine that was happening in the Jerusalem church. So not only persecution, but also a famine that was taking place. So he's gonna talk specifically to this group of people about their trials, about their sufferings, about the hardships they're facing right off the bat. So let's look at verses two and through four. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So he's going after the why, but then listen to the what he said. And this isn't just hard for like them to hear. It's hard for us to hear. Like, so you're saying when I face trials, when I face suffering, when I face loss, when I face hardship, consider it what? Joy. Okay, help us out, James. And he does, he goes on. And the way that we're gonna um, talk about this is when he, he's gonna use this phrase throughout the book of James. And uh, there, there is a, a professor of New Testament, uh, D. Edmund Herber, and he's gonna organize uh, the book and show us how the testing of your faith is actually a theme in James. And I wanna, I wanna show you on the screen of how we're, we've kind of adapted this and how we're gonna walk through this. This is some of the key themes that you're gonna see. Now, this is gonna be online as well, so you don't have to write this down. But you're gonna see that the testing of the faith comes up over and over again. When you face hardship, when you receive the word, when you love your neighbors, when you think works don't matter, when you speak and choose, when you go against the world, and when you pray. Those are all going to be the testing of your faith. So the reason why this morning we're only taking four verses is because it's so important for us to understand what is he talking about the testing of your faith? What is that gonna produce? Why does God uh, do that? Why is that part of our lives? And so the, way, the best way I could um, unpack that in this is to set aside kind of how James kind of um, organizes his thoughts in, in producing this in these three verses. So verse two, 
I would say response. In verse two, James is talking about a response of how are we to respond versus trials. Verse three, which would be the reason for the trials. He's gonna give us a very reason for the trials. And then verse four, the result. What is the result that these trials are to produce in us? So response, reason, result. That's how I'm gonna walk us through uh, that this morning. That's how I believe James is walking us through. So the response, verse two. Consider it all joy when, so the response, when you encounter various trials. Now, we know that encountering various trials is not a probability, but a certainty. So James is, again, like, I think he would be having Jesus's words in mind in John 16 when he's talking to his disciples and he says, when you face troubles in this world, it's not if, it's when. It's when you face trials. It's when you face this. He's talking about that. Then you need to have this response. Now, there's three words that I want to unpack and go back to the original uh, language in this to kind of give us an understanding of this. So three words are trials, encounter, and consider. We'll start with trials. So the word trials, in the New Living Translation calls troubles. The message would say tests and challenges. First Peter 4.12 uses the same word and it says fiery ordeals. So we kind of get this picture that what it's talking about is hardships, challenges, disappointments, loss, grief, difficult circumstances, these hard things in life, when you face them, that's what these trials are talking about. The second word is encounter. Uh, when, you, when you look at the original, it, it means to meet or to face, to actually encounter means to fall into a trial. So this isn't something that you were like prepared for and you knew was coming on, you know, January 20th, I'm gonna face a trial. This is something that happens to you and you are responding to it. This is something you weren't prepared for, anticipated, you fell into it, you meet or face the trial. The third word is consider. This is actually the first command that James gives us, consider. The word consider, now we, we use this um, all the time. I want you to consider your actions. I want you to consider, what, what are we talking about? This isn't reactionary of just one part of, of our life. This is actually going through the whole heart. What am I thinking on that? What am I feeling in that? What is my desires? What are my choices? This is James kind of talking in this language to consider, not just react, but to actually consider. He's calling us to engage God with our whole heart in this trial. Now, by no means is he saying, enjoy the trial. Like, be happy, you're, you're in a trial. This is why we teach exegetically here at Fellowship. It's the reason why I love how we teach through the Bible. Because I think if you didn't understand what James is talking about, you could do some real harm to people. Um, consider joy that you're facing that trial. I mean, have you ever been facing something hard and someone comes up to you and says something utterly stupid? Okay, and they kind of do it like, oh man, you just need more faith. Or if you had faith, you wouldn't be sad or something like that. You know, I think you can do a lot of harm. That's not what James is saying. He's not saying, hey, be super glad. You know, like he's talking about joy. Consider it all joy. But why is he saying, what does this word mean? What is James getting after? It's so much more than what I think uh, we, we could just get by just reading too. So we're gonna keep unpacking that. The reason, second, so the response, the reason. The reason, consider it all joy. James knows we need a reason. What's the question when something bad happens? What's the first question we all ask? 
Exactly. James knows you're human, okay? So James is a human. And he's gonna say this. So he gives us two reasons. Verse three, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. So the first one he gives us is the reason is the testing of your faith. I'm gonna unpack that in just a minute. God will test our faith to ensure that it works like it's supposed to, that it grows, matures, and deepens. The second reason is this word of in, in producing endurance. It's this word of steadfastness, perseverance. It's the Greek word uh, hupo, which means under, and meno, which means to stay, remain, or abide. So when you put those hupo meno together, it means that under the weight, so I want you to picture a huge boulder, okay? And I want you to picture you under your trial. If you're trying to hold up a huge weight and you're underneath it and you're abiding in it, what is that doing? It's producing a great pressure on you, right? If you're to stay in that trial, under that trial, abiding in that trial, it's gonna feel like a weight that you're underneath. Now, think about how we uh, exist when we faced trials. Usually when we face hardship or we feel that emotion of like loneliness or hurt or sadness, what do we usually try? What do we usually amp up more of? Netflix, <laughs> work, pick your drug of choice. You might work out more. You might control things more. You might try to get more people's approval. You might veg, you might go to comfort. You might literally go to drinking or, or alcohol or pornography. Most of us, when we face a trial, we face a hardship, the last thing we want to do is to remain under the pressure of the trial. Many times we try to just like avoid and detach, you know, whether that's emotionally, cut off those relationships, get those negative feelings out of my life. If you're a seven on the Enneagram, right? Like you're, you're avoiding those things because you don't want the, the negative feelings. But James is saying, no, no, no. When you stay under, abide, remain of the pressure of the trial, God is going to do something that you could not produce in your own strength. You would not have asked for that trial, but that trial is going to produce something. So James is, is clearly talking about that. Now, when I was reading this and I saw that testing of your faith came up so much, <clears throat> I'm just gonna be honest with you guys. When I, when, I, when I read that, I was just like testing my faith the first place my mind went to, and I think this is why it's so important to talk about, first place my mind went to was, God's gonna give me a test and I hope I pass it. Is anyone, anyone thinking in that way? Like God's doing this so I have to like prove uh, myself to God. That is not, something unlocked for me, that's not what James is talking about. The test of your faith is not, for God, who's it for? It's for you. Well, what do you mean? I, like, um, let me unpack that for you. Just like this coin, you would need to go through a test of faith to show that it's genuine, it's authentic, it's real for it to be of substance. The same way you and I need to see that our faith is actually authentic that our faith is genuine, that our faith is real, that God's faithfulness is real. Now think, I'm gonna put it in this terms. 
God is a loving father who wants your best. He's not looking at you and being like, okay, how can I harm you? How can I put you under a test? How can I make your life miserable? That's not our father. So let me just put it in terms of, of how I started thinking about this week. I'm a loving father of three young boys. And I know, I wish I could just instill my faith in them. I wish I could instill my convictions. I wish they never had to face a hardship to know the faithfulness of God. As a father. But the reality is, I know that my kids need to face hard things and press into those things and see the faithfulness of God for themselves that they would they themselves would draw such a conviction that they would be able to say, my God is faithful, not my dad's God is faithful. And the reality is, is I would not want to crush them with those trials, but there are things where it's gonna take faith for me to step back and let them figure that out. Let them have a personal encounter with God. And when they do, by God's grace, they will come out and they will stand in a conviction with their feet firmly planted on a soil that I could not have implanted to them. See, that is what the testing of our faith does. And we're gonna get to a little bit more. We're gonna unpack that more. That's why we're spending so much time in this because I want you guys to know this is not just a, a cognitive faith of like, hey, just believe these things and then go out. It's a formulaic thing. No, this is an, an experiential working uh, that God is going to do. But I wanna make it, uh, I wanna make it a little bit more real uh, for us this morning in this room. So it's January, 2019. And I hope all of you are, are saying, I want to grow closer to God and closer to Jesus. Maybe some of you are coming back into church the first time in, in January and you're like, hey, I wanna figure this faith thing out. I wanna figure this God thing out. Uh, I'm so glad you're here. God is for you. He's inviting you. You are not here on accident. And so I'm so glad you're here. But all, all of us as believers, hopefully our goal is we want to grow closer to our Lord this, this, this year. And I just know that many of us are facing trials right now. In fact, when we look at the word various trials in our text, the, the, the word of that would say multicolored, distinct, and different. That's kind of the variousness of the trials is what he's talking about. So here's what I wanna do. I want you... Uh, to help me fill out this board with different colors of various trials of things that we're facing in this life. Okay, so be thinking of yours. I'm gonna help us out. I'll start with two. My uh, trial, one of the trials that I am facing daily is raising little humans. Just got done with um, the holidays and uh, one of the trials is just figuring out family relationships. Now, if none of you shout out any of your trials, you can say, oh, my friend has a trial. Okay, you can play that card. Or um, I have the prayer list memorized. So I'm just gonna start putting your names up here and all the things. I'm just kidding. But help me, help me fill out this board real quick with various trials, different colors, uh, distinct. Just shout them out. Finances. Finances. What was the other one, school? Did someone say school? Yeah, health. 
Yeah, work-life balance. Speaking for a friend there, right? Yeah, just kidding. Yeah, one more. Yeah, job. Has anyone ever um, had a loss of any kind? Loss of a loved one, um, loss of a child, loss of, you know, you look at this board and it's just like, we're just scratching the surface in this room. I mean, how many, 2% of us shouted something out? So this morning, who's James talking to? Us. Who's facing various trials of different kinds? Us. So James is speaking to us, the responding, verse four, and let endurance have its perfect result. I love saying that, let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So the result, so response, reaction, result. So here here we are, perfect. The result is perfect. Now this perfect isn't talking about moral perfection. It's talking about this maturity of being full grown, complete, not disintegrated parts or portions. So this is getting at the wholeness that James is gonna keep coming back to throughout the book. So you think about a pie, if you think about the slices, that's, those are disintegrated parts if you remove them. But James is talking about, no, this is gonna produce a maturity, a wholeness, wholehearted life with God that you could not produce in yourself. So here's what I want you to say, just a mantra of walking through a trial would be, God does not waste pain. God doesn't waste the trial God doesn't waste what you're facing as you walk with him. God does not waste pain. So the thing I want you to hear clearly is God is for you. He is at work on your behalf, producing a maturity and a wholeness. And the trial is bringing that result if we stay under it. Staying under, we come to experience God's fullness, his wholeness, our maturity in a way that we could not without the trial. Now, verse three, I want y'all to look at verse three. There's this key word in verse three that I hope that you write down and I hope you never forget it. And I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get it's knowing. Knowing in the Greek is this word, janashko. Janashko. Everyone say it with me. Janashko. One more time, that was weak sauce. Janashko. Janashko is knowing but it's not knowing cognitive facts or intellectual kind of things. It is knowing that is experiential. Let me unpack this for you. Janashko is looking at a parachute on the ground before you jump out of the plane and saying, hey, I've seen YouTube videos. I know how a parachute's supposed to work. I know that that's supposed to open up. Like that's, that's just cognitive ascent. Janashko is this idea that you jump out of the plane and you land on the ground and now I janashko that parachute. I know from experience that that actually opens up and lands me on the ground. So here's how I've been thinking about it. I looked back through my life and I just, I just said, man, I janashko God because of trials. 
When I lost my job in Lansing, Michigan, uh, six months married, and I'm just like, what in the world? I, walking through that trial, Janashko God in a way that I would not have known six months prior. Walking through family relationships, raising little humans, and for me, marriage. I, Janashko God, walking through trials in those areas in ways where I've experienced God's faithfulness, not just read about God's faithfulness in the Bible and like, oh, that's really great. God is faithful. No, I, Janashko, God's faithfulness because I've experienced his faithfulness. Janashko is knowing God is faithful, not just because the Bible says so, but because you've experienced it. When you had a went through financial trouble or bankruptcy or you lost a significant relationship or in high school, you know, you're walking there, you didn't make the team or you didn't get into the college or you had to move or your parents moved and forced, you know, you had to follow along or you experienced depression or your child does not come home. Janashko is, in spite of those things, in spite of the pain and in spite of those events, I, Janashko, the faithfulness of God because I am still here and his hand has been on me as I was underneath that trial. That's Janashko. That's knowing God's faithfulness. And so as, as believers, we need to come to a text like James 1 through 4 and we need to say, okay, God, I am in great need. I have these trials and your trial might not even be listed up here because it's various and it's distinct to you. But you're like, I have these trials. How do I stay under? How do I let God produce something in me? How do I see, how do I Janashko the, the knowing of God and his faithfulness? Let me tell you, you can't. On your own, you cannot. Self-discipline, self-reliance, self-sufficiency will not allow you to remain under the trial. The only thing is when John 16, when Jesus is talking to his disciples was as he's preparing them for him leaving, he says, in this world, you will face troubles. And then he says, but I am giving you the spirit, the spirit of God, the people of God, the word of God come alongside and they allow us to stay under. And so for us, who should we look to, to see how they face trials of every kind and various kinds, we look to our Savior. Hebrews 12, one through three. Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run, there's that word, with endurance, the race that is before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider, for consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and will not lose heart. On this side of the trial, by faith, we take hold of a future joy that is not ours right now, but secured by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. 
because I know, I janashko, that God is the perfect author of my faith. I know by faith I can face this difficulty and stay under this pressure because God is doing something and I trust him and I remain steadfast by his spirit at work within me, by the people I've surrounded myself of his people to remind me that this trial is not in vain that God is not wasting my pain, that this test of my faith is not so I can pass, but it is to remind me and deepen my conviction, deepen my maturity, my wholeness, my relationship with God. It is producing something in me which I could not do in my own self-sufficiency. And so we remain under. Therefore, by faith, I consider the opportunity to trust God in this trial, all joy, real joy, certain joy, a joy not rooted in the trial nor the resolution, but in the faithfulness of God, whom is there is no shifting shadow or variation, who keeps his word, who is providential, who set the world forth by his word, who is in control, who is all powerful, who is wholly good, who sees you and knows you and loves you. See, I'm not facing a trial with an insecurity with God. I'm facing a trial out of a core, believing that I'm deeply loved by God, who sees me and is walking with me, alongside me, who gives me others to comfort me, who gives me others to support me, who gives me others to support me. This is why we need to be in groups where you are known. Far be it if we walk through these trials alone. We are better together. So I would remind us of our core values even in this text. So I'm gonna ask Carl to come back up, but I'm gonna remind us of our core values. So as we open the word, we're centering our life on God's word to us and we are reminded that we need to be spirit dependent, that we cannot walk this life alone, but we are better together. To be courageously real enough to admit that we have a need to be vulnerable enough to let others into our trials and that we would be not about ourselves, that we would give ourselves to others to come alongside others who are facing these various trials of different kinds. We wanna conclude this morning with an opportunity to put this coin into action. So if we're talking about by faith, I mean, many of you are facing trials of different kinds. And I just look around the room and I see the trials. I know some of your hardships. I know some of your pains that you've dealt with or dealing with, still dealing with the scars of those things. And I would just say this morning, by faith, would you take a step and say, God, by faith, I'm going to remain under, empowered by your spirit. And maybe a, a posture for you to put that faith into action would be to kneel at your seat or we have kneelers up front. We're gonna have a couple up front that you can pray with. But would you just come forward and just as just an act of faith, just to say, God, I need you and I'm putting my faith into action. I wanna respond this morning and trust your goodness. You're, you're doing something in this trial that I never would have asked for, but I've come and fell into it and I face it and I need you. And as a community of faith, would we just say, if we see someone up here and we know the trial that they're facing, would we just come up and just stand behind them, put a hand on them? Or you might even just choose just where you are, just to turn around and just kneel. But we're gonna sing a song of God's faithfulness. We're gonna remind each other of who God is.
in this moment. And by faith would we choose that we would Janashka God's faithfulness as a community of faith. So when you're ready, would you come forward if you have a trial and you can kneel down here or pray with a couple.